1: stride as he crosses the goal line put it right on his hip what a throw now with the latest from around the sec and the world of college football it's the punt and pass podcast
0: to house, hear, line,
1: pylon, touchdown and the dogs are on the board first
2: nice i got it All right, what's up, everyone? It is uh, Sunday. It's National Championship Weekend, and it is the Punt and Pass Podcast live from Big Sky and Buckhead. Let's get a little bit of noise here. Thank you. Thank you. Drew Butler, Aaron Murray, bringing you a live show. We've done a couple of live shows this past weekend, and uh, it's National Championship Weekend, as I just said. Georgia and Alabama, Aaron, an All-SEC National Championship. And I've said it once. I'll say it again. I'm taking full responsibility for punt and pass starting in August and then Georgia making it to the national championship, along with Alabama being in as well. We are an SEC podcast, and uh, just by nature, it's turned into like a Georgia and Alabama podcast because they've been doing so well.
3: Yeah, I know the rest of the country is pretty upset right now. We've discussed it, and I think everyone is just – who's going to tune in? Is it just going to be everyone in Georgia, Alabama, Florida maybe? Are people in California not going to watch it? And I think they are. I think people yeah. are pumped. I think they're excited. I know I'm excited, though, and we've had a good time doing this. I'm
2: excited, too. It's The game's going to be on ESPN, and you're working on ESPN tomorrow. You're going to be yeah. on the sideline. Do you know what channel yet? I know there's so many. I think many. we're going
3: to be ESPN, too. Okay. It's going to be myself. I'll be covering the Georgia. And then I actually saw Coach Bobo is going to be doing the coaching roundtable. Oh, so people really. want to see Bobo there having some go. fun up there, too. Uh, but check us out if you get bored watching the regular – ESPN, check out ESPN2. We're going to be having a good time on the sideline. I actually get the dress up in Georgia gear. Sweet. I thought I was going to have to wear like a suit, tie, from none of jersey, that. We have to have some fun. Put a from jersey. I'm going to wear a from jersey. It's not a Murray I'm go- Jersey. I'm going to lunch with Meshad this afternoon, so I'm going to so ask him, get him if one. he can give me some. Equipment manager
2: John yep. Meshad at Georgia. All right, we have an awesome show for you today. Again, we are doing brunch at Big Sky in Buckhead. They are at Big Sky Buckhead on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Punt and Pass. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11. I am at Drew Butler 13 but it's a special show because we have special guests here. We got Tavares King, UGA great, wide receiver, New York Giant, he's in the house. He's going to come on and talk to us about the game. We got the enemy in the house. We got Rashad Johnson in the house, NFL great, Arizona Cardinals, Tennessee Titans, Alabama Crimson Tide. He's going to tell us what's going to go down tomorrow night. And then Clint Bowling's in here too. Big Daddy Bowling, eight-year NFL vet, Cincinnati Bengals, left tackle maybe next year. We'll have to watch out and see what happens in the offseason. But let's get right into it. We're not doing anything today except talking about the game tomorrow. We're going to break it down the only way that we can because we know what the hell we're talking about. And it's been proven 15 times this entire Year so we're gonna go like offense first defense Georgia yep. Alabama and then flip it around talk about it every single way and, and I that think we're we finishing
3: the show off with with special teams of course we're you gonna want, finish the show want to have with special teams the big bang teams. at the end I yes. know where, I know where your
2: head's at it's fine and we're also gonna finish the show with an awesome interview that we did with John Parker Wilson yep. John Parker Wilson held every single passing record at Alabama when he left much like you still do at the University of Georgia. He gave us some candid thoughts. He let us know exactly what he thinks is going to happen, and, you know, he played for Coach Nick Saban, just like Rashad did. So we're going to get inside the mind of the machine that is Alabama. So tune in after we're done here. I'm going to put up the interview with John Parker Wilson. He's a good buddy, so we really appreciate him coming on. Okay, let's start here. Georgia's offense versus Alabama's defense. We're going to go every single way possible. We're going to start with Georgia's offense – Against Alabama's defense. I'm going to ask you a few questions, okay? And then we're going to get right into it and start the discussion. We talked about this a lot for the SEC championship because Georgia had struggled so much against Auburn at Jordan-Hare Stadium when they got absolutely whooped up 40-17. to What do you think the first play Jim Chaney calls tomorrow? It's going to be an electric atmosphere.
3: Do they try to establish the run early? Is it a shot? It's, Is it it's play not, action? It's not going to be the Mississippi State – play to start it off yeah it's not it's not going to be something that's going to wow you're wow you say oh my god we're about to have an 80 yard touch on to get this game going it's going to be we're going to set the tempo early whether it's a run down the middle or run outside i think use the speed get sony in the backfield maybe start sony the game up instead of chubb say hey we know you guys are big up front you got a big front four you have a big front seven those guys are healthy they're feeling good We know eventually we're going to have to test you. We're going to have to run between the tackles, but I like Sony. I like Swift. Swift, they only got four carries last week versus Oklahoma. Put him maybe in the slot. Get Sony in there. Say, hey, we're going to beat you to the edge a little bit. Outrun you guys. See if we can get outside. So I like that game plan a little bit more, but – Eventually, you're going to have to get nitty and gritty. You're going to have to put Chubb in there. You're going to have to get two, three yards in a cloud of dust. It's not going to be 10-yard average, 18-yard average like Oklahoma last week. It's going to be three. It's going to be three and a half yards per carry. But that's going to get you, and we've discussed it all week, third and manageable. Put Jake Fromm in a position where he can throw a hitch. He can throw a slant. Maybe utilize the tight end some more, something that I was shocked they used last week versus Oklahoma. I'm like, we've we been throwing the ball to a tight end all season long. Finally, they're getting more involved in this offense. And, and I think that's where you can beat Alabama. You get those third and short situations, put a DeAndre Swift in the slot, put a tight end in the slot, yeah. one-on-one with a linebacker, a safety, be able to get a quick slant, quick out, get the ball out of Jake Frown's hands early. I think that's where you can get To your
2: point about getting tight ends in the game plan, they really hadn't been involved at all. But in the SEC Championship game, Isaac Nauta caught a touchdown, yep. and Auburn's defense is probably the most like Alabama's that Georgia's going to face, especially in the last two months. Okay, we talk about a lot the first 15 plays that are scripted by offensive coordinators, right? The game plan heading in to the first quarter. And for everybody listening – who don't really know what a 15-play script is, go back and watch the Rose Bowl last week and what Oklahoma did to Georgia. It was perfection. They knew what Georgia was going to come out defensively, and Baker Mayfield and Rodney Anderson absolutely gashed the dogs twice in a row. Well, the
3: point is those first 15 plays is obviously you want to go down the field and score, which they did. But just grab the momentum for the very first play, and defenses really don't do it. It's more of an offensive thing. We actually never did it. Coach Boba would wait till about two minutes before kickoff and say, hey – what do you want to run first play? So, Bobo is not a first I'm like, 15 guy. I'm like, Bobo, it's, you're the offensive coordinator. You're, <laughs> you're supposed to be telling me what I'm supposed to run over here. So, we he would just wing it. We kind of have a somewhat of a of a game plan understanding what we want to start with. But most teams start with first 15s. In Kansas City, we had a first 45. We had three, well, That did not work out for we had, yesterday. did not work out I mean, last night. We blew it against the Titans. No, it did. They started off strong. They, they, they did. Started, you're they, right. The first 15, the first 45. They just forgot about perfectly. the fourth quarter. You're exactly The right. next 45, they should have scripted. Maybe they would have won the game. But – You want to be able to put in the mindset, understand what you're doing. You feel good about what they're doing defensively. And when you play a defense like Auburn, you play a defense like Alabama, they're not complicated. And that's what great defenses do. When you play at Florida, you play at Georgia, they're they're not going to come out with anything exotic. They're not going to do anything that you haven't seen on film because they have great defensive players. They don't want to confuse their own guys where they're having to make checks. Line up, play fast. So as an offense, you can script for success those first 15. So I expect expect both teams to maybe come out a little bit more aggressive offensively because they know the tendencies early on what those defenses are going to do. It's going to be very telling. What do you – I mean,
2: is it going to be balanced first 15? Do they try to commit to the run, maybe go run, 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 punt, and just
3: try to establish field position? What happens? I think I – think I completely agree with you. I think establish field position early. I think you try to – Get a first down, obviously. Of course, move most the offenses you get one first down, you get rolling, you're feeling good. But if you're able to try to establish run early, and then just get a great punt, get a booming punt, a 50, 60 yard, I love it. Something you pin I love a, it. you pin Alabama or you pin Georgia inside the twenty. Then make and then get a three and out. Then all of a sudden you have a chance to then get good field position. I think who can get great field position in that first quarter, second quarter where you're able to, even if you're not scoring points, but you're continuously starting within the 40s, I think that team is going to have success, and I don't think the other team will be able to move the ball up and down the football field. All right,
2: you said smash mouth,
3: and, and this made me think
2: of something that happened, and we're going to bring Tavares King up here because I got a couple of questions about Georgia's offense and the game plan, but you said smash mouth, and I was watching that wild card game yesterday, and everybody here knows how I feel about John Gruden. And uh, this was a John Gruden quote, because I tweeted it out. Now, tell me if this makes any sense. He said, that's Smash Mouth. They call it exotic Smash Mouth, and there's nothing exotic about that Smash Mouth. That was a direct quote from John Gruden. And
3: that's why he's going back to coaching. Now the
2: head coach of the Oakland Raiders, who just got paid $100 million, hey, hasn't coached in 10 years, and he's a 500 coach, and he won a Super Bowl with somebody else's players, go John Gruden. I'm very bearish on the Oakland Raiders. All right, sorry. (laughs) Little rant there, exotic smash mouth. Maybe we'll see some of that <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow's King, welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Yes, dude, how are thanks you doing? I'm Back in at Atlanta, um, your season with the New York Giants, probably not the way you wanted it to go, but you finished strong, a couple of touchdowns later in the season, and uh, things are looking good for you, man. Congrats.
4: Appreciate it, brother.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. We're talking right now about Georgia's offense and how they can be effective against Alabama's defense you work with quarterbacks you are a wide receiver tell me this and Aaron you need to chime in here too Jake Fromm must do or be blank to have success Monday night I'm gonna let our guests crank yes, this out see Tavares. what TK
3: has come
4: on uh really I think he's just got to trust his, trust in his old line um I think he's got to trust in his receivers I think uh Wims Goodwin, Godwin I think those guys will be big for him out wide. I think he's just got to be able to do what Aaron said. Um, you, we got to be able to put ourselves in positions to, uh, you know, 30 manageable, manageables and um, be able to throw slants and, you know, catch hitches.
3: For sure. I think he needs to be on time and in rhythm. And every quarterback, especially when you play a fast defense, a defense with speed at all levels from, the, from your front four, your linebackers, to your secondary, windows close extremely fast. If you hesitate even a split second when you're trying to throw an in route and out route, those guys are able to make a break like that. And it's, it's going to be turnaround pick six going the other way. And you saw last week Alabama versus Clemson. As soon as you're a little bit off as a quarterback, whether it's accuracy, whether it's timing, they're going to make you pay with turnovers. And that's why they win football games because – and we'll get into Alabama's offense later, but their, their offense isn't dynamic. They're not explosive. They're not going to be able to put 20-plus 20, 20 points up just their offense alone. They need their defense to be involved in order to get more points. So for Georgia, for Georgia and for Jake Fromm, be accurate. Trust what you see and just let it rip. If you see something, just let the ball go. Don't hesitate because that millisecond of hesitation is where alabama thrives because they are just too fast too physical too strong
2: yeah so speaking of alabama's defense they're known for having playmakers right and tk you play on sundays right now when you're going against an absolute game breaker on the defensive side of the ball you have to scheme towards that so i'm asking you two guys a quarterback and a wide receiver tomorrow night how can Georgia's offense neutralize playmakers like aminka fitzpatrick a Rashawn Evans, a Darren Payne, who win games for him it 's as simple as that. How
3: do you game plan to either go at them or stay away from them? I think what you do is, is you hold on to the football by running it by wearing those guys out because I, I think the Georgia defense will, will keep their offense on the sideline there 'll be more three and out so the way you do it is, is one a game like this there 's a lot of emotion guys are going to be coming out they're playing a little bit more excited, the energy level' high you 're going to be Getting there a little bit earlier, you're going to be going harder in in walkthroughs and practice before the game starts. So wear them out. Get them tired. Get them questioning, can they play smash-mouth football for four straight quarters? Exotic smash-mouth. Exotic smash-mouth football. (laughs) I don't think they can. (laughs) Auburn, they couldn't do it. They couldn't handle smash-mouth football for four quarters. Georgia needs to play the same way.
4: I agree. I agree completely. You know, a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick, you got to know where that guy is at all times. So uh, definitely – Definitely test him a little bit, you know, run at him, and then uh, see what he has. See, if, like, see, like you said, see if he's gonna gonna bring it for, for all four quarters.
2: All right, I think that Cheney is gonna try to get speed guys, DeAndre Swift, Miko Hardeman, out in space on the second level to match up against Alabama's weakness, which is the linebacking court. But here's a question for you, TK, and it's a short answer. Yep. Who has a more impactful game for Georgia's offense tomorrow night, Javon Wims or a tight end? And it's just a tight end. It could be Nada, it could be Warner if he goes, it could be Blankenship. Javon or a tight end?
4: You know, me being a receiver, I I want to say a receiver, but I think tight end um, solely because, you know, we we haven't utilized those guys much, and I think that, you know, they might not be keying in on them like, like, like they should.
2: Aaron, can the play calling be creative enough to take the pressure off Georgia's offensive line because there's going to be a lot on them.
3: Yeah, I think so. And you see this Alabama. I think they're they're, they're better at stopping the run than necessarily getting after Jake Fromm in the passing game. So I think you're going to be able to get time in the pocket. He's going to have three or four seconds to throw the football. But always a balanced offense always throws you off. And, and that's why I thought, and I picked Clemson last week to beat so did Alabama. I. I thought Clemson this year has been extremely balanced. They're getting 200 yards passing a the game. They're getting 200 yards rushing a game. It's tough to defend a team when you don't know what they're going to do. And and that's what Georgia struggled last week with Oklahoma. The uncertainty, are they going to run it? Are they not going to run it? Are they going to utilize the play action? Are you going to get the quarterback on the run? So continue to be balanced. Continue to make those guys question exactly what you're going to do. And don't be afraid of just playing smash-up football where you're getting two, three yards at a a time. I think think one of Georgia's
2: advantages over Alabama's defense, and it's an intangible, is their amount of seniors on Mm -hmm. the offense. We're talking Chubb. We're talking Sony, Javon Wims, Isaiah Wynn. That is the intangible type stuff that can lead you to a hard-fought victory. And don't forget four about quarters. Jake Fromm, a young no, you're freshman. Totally
3: right. he, he, as a quarterback, I don't leader. care how old you are. I was looked as a, as a leader my freshman year too. My yeah. freshman. you are a leader, and he's played enough big games. He's demonstrated he knows the offense by his ability to go out there check for, check the plays, mm-hmm. get his team in the right situation. So guys are looking to him too how he handles himself in a big-time situation in these games. If he has a bad quarter, a bad half, is he able to bounce back, be the leader that he's supposed to be just because you are the quarterback? People are going to be looking to you. So I love what you're saying with all these other guys, these other positions. Yes, seniors. They've been there a long time. They have the big names. But – when it comes down to it, your quarterback is the leader of the offense. He is one of the leaders of the team, and he's going to have to take his leadership to another level this game tomorrow night.
2: TK, final thoughts on Georgia's offense against Alabama's defense before we let you uh, keep turning up here at Big Sky Brunch? Hey.
4: Uh, man, just uh, I feel like those guys are going to go out there and, and uh, put together a great performance, really. Cool. I, think that, um, I think that we'll attack them attack you know, on the ground like we
2: have been. And um, like you guys said, it'll, it'll probably open up some things I want. All right. Good deal. Tavares King, thanks so much for joining us. Hang around. Get a drink. We're probably going to bring you on a little bit later because we're going to need some quick predictions to wrap this thing up. All right. Cool, bro. Go dogs. Yes, sir. All right. Next thing we're going to talk about, Aaron, is Georgia's defense against Alabama. Oh, I almost said Auburn. Wow. Alabama's offense. Okay. I know. Right. I wish I was. Yeah. Rashad says that. We wish Georgia was playing Auburn. I think this is pretty simple, and we're going to bring Rashad up here next in about mm, five minutes. Give me five minutes, Rashad. So finish that drink, and then I'll have you say go Dogs." (laughs) Georgia's defense against Alabama's offense I think comes down to one matchup, Roquan Smith versus Jalen Hurts. And let me tell you why. Jalen Hurts is a running back first and then a quarterback. Roquan Smith's speed sideline to sideline is unmatched in the country. So I think if Roquan can stop Jalen Hurts from that nonsense five-step drop, feel pressure, run towards the right sideline that he does 75% of the time, they're going to have a tough time tomorrow night.
3: Yeah, it's going to be make Jalen beat you with his arm, plain and simple. I don't think he's very comfortable back there. I I don't think he trusts himself, and I think all the noise going on right now from everyone, from all the media, from his teammates, from his, from his coaches. I think it's in his head, honestly. I think he honestly is so concerned about, I need to be a passer this game. I need to stay in the pocket. I need to go through my reads where I think he's not going to play his game. His game is I'm going to go from one, maybe I'll get down to my check down, and then I'm taking off. I'm going to run. I'm going to use my ability to make guys miss an open field. I think in his head right now is I need to prove to the nation yeah. that I'm a passer. And you can't do that in a week. You can't learn to become a better passer in a week. That's something that takes an offseason, being comfortable in the offense, being comfortable with your receivers, all that good stuff. You can't do it in a week. So if he's going to try to be all of a sudden in one week, say, I'm the next Tom Brady it's not going to happen. He's going to have a bad day. He just needs to play his game.
2: Yeah, he does. I saw Jordan Rodgers on SEC Network last night break down a play from the Sugar Bowl, and, I mean, he went in on Jalen Hurd saying... Oh, it was bad. Not even going through his progressions, Look, locked into the tight end when he's supposed to start with the Y. I mean, if he does hear the noise and try to become a passer and get regimented in his reads... It could certainly tilt it well, to Georgia's I, if favor. If I'm
3: Nick Saban, I'm going to him and saying, play your game. Of course. Go back to last year versus Clemson, and you had a great game. Decent passing the football, but you did a hell of a job running the football, especially in that second half. Just be who you are. This all season, we'll work on the other stuff. Don't worry about it. But yeah. we need you to become the best athlete you can. Get those nitty-gritty first downs, that third and four, third and five, Make Roquan or those other defensive guys miss a tackle, extend the drive. So I think you're going to see him get some really good first downs with his legs. Of course, he always does. I think he's still going to be able to get Ridley the ball on the outside. He's going to be his, able to get the ball his to his plan. backs. But it, they're they're the same as our they're the same offense as Georgia. Yeah, run the ball, establish the run early, and you're going to be fine. So how? How can Mel Tucker, Georgia's
2: defensive coordinator, get Alabama's offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, off his game plan? Because that's the key, right? Alabama found their identity last week. That's all they talked about. We had to reestablish our identity. Are they taking that in? And if they do, how can Mel Tucker get the defense to play in a way that says, oh, man, we got to go to plan B,
3: C? Well, I don't think Alabama's offense found their identity by any means. I think Alabama does a great job. Not turning the football over. They don't beat themselves. And it's something Jake Fromm does well. It's something Georgia's offense does well as well. Don't beat yourself. Yeah. We have a great defense. We have very good special teams. Don't do anything to hurt yourself. Don't fumble the football. Don't throw interceptions. So I think it's going to come down to them offensively for Alabama just protecting the football. Just don't give it up. Something they've done extremely well this entire season. And I think for Georgia, you need to get a turnover. You need to do something. You That's need to my next question. You need to find a way to get an interception. That's my next question. I think bring the You're heat. You're reading my mind. Bring the heat. I think bring the heat up the middle. Bring the heat from the edges. Make Jalen Hurts very uncomfortable in the pocket. And like you alluded to, he wants to roll out to the right. Make him roll out to the left. Yeah. Make him go left. See if he can throw the football going to his left. So I think if they're able to, to turn it up a little bit, something they did versus Baker last week. Yep. You saw in him bring a little bit more interior pressure. Tyler Clark, A little Clark, bit from both game. sides. You can't see. He can't see as a six-foot quarterback. So, yes or turn no? Yes or no? Dominic Sanders will have an interception Monday night. No. Okay. I, I don't think so. I don't think Jalen. I think Jalen is so conscious about not throwing an interception that you, he'll he would rather run for a couple yards. Yeah, than do I it. agree. Yes
2: or no? Lorenzo, Roquan, and Davin are the difference makers on Monday night. They're going to have to be because last
3: week they couldn't stop the run. Georgia could not stop the run. I know this Oklahoma offense is completely different than Alabama's, but this is even bigger boy football. This is ground and pound. Be able to tackle those guys and don't let them fall forward for two or three more yards. So those guys are going to have to play a lot better than they did last week because I'm sure Alabama's watching that film like, hey, if Oklahoma can run up and down the field on them, so can we. If the coaches are smart,
2: they'll listen to our podcast because we're telling them how to beat each other. And you and I have texted throughout the entire season and said we believe the coaches are listening to our podcast because we're calling week after week exactly what's going to happen and exactly what should happen. So we just talked about Alabama's offense against Georgia's defense. Excuse me, Georgia's – yes, we did. Alabama's offense against Georgia's defense. Let's go Riverside. Let's talk about Alabama's defense – against Georgia's offense, and with that, we're bringing in our next guest, Rashad Johnson from the University of Alabama, NFL, Arizona Cardinals, Tennessee Titans, where are you living now, Birmingham? Huntsville. Huntsville, Alabama. Thanks for joining us, brother, good to see you again. Thanks for having me. Rashad's one of my favorite teammates of all time, Rashad uh, is a leader, there's absolutely no doubt about it, team captain. At University of Alabama. Two-time captain. Two-time as a walk-on. Yes. Has that ever happened before at Alabama? Uh, never a walk-on becoming a two-time captain. So, ever. Aaron, did you just hear that? Storied Alabama history, Rashad Johnson's the first ever walk-on to become a two-time team captain. So you can go see him at Denny Chimes. Am I right? Anytime. Oh, That's boy. my guy. Yeah. That's my guy. Well, thanks it's, it's for joining like, it's us.
3: It's like man. the Baker Mayfield story over here. I know, from walk dude. on the walk the You probably should have deserved whatever. some Heisman love. Yeah, come on.
5: I don't know about Heisman love. <laughs> you know, you know what? You get my Heisman get no love. love. At you all. get None.
2: my Heisman vote.
0: Thanks for joining, I this, man. I I didn't have
2: enough of a Honey Badger hype to get the Heisman <laughs> love. <laughs> you know the story about Honey Badger, don't you? So getting to New York for the Heisman Trophy. He had he had, had this great end of the senior year, right? Or junior year. Junior year, right. Well we played them in the SEC championship game. And I served up a nice 64-yard punt, and he took it back to the <laughs> yeah. house, and he got invited to one, New York. That's
5: the one he flipped before he actually Yeah, that's the one yes. he actually fumbled
2: yeah. before he, did he got not in score. there. Well, Rashad, thanks for joining us, man. You're in yeah. town for the big game. Obviously, we know who you're rooting for, but let's be as objective as okay. we possibly can. I will. And we are talking about right now Alabama's defense going up against Georgia's offense because I think, and we said it in past podcasts this week, I think this is going to look like a spring game. This is looking into the mirror. It's like ones versus ones. They're going to try to do exactly what the other team is trying to do. It could be extremely boring, but if you love football and you love defensive football like yourself, it will be fun. So let me ask you one question. Is it as simple as people are making it out to be? If you stop the run against Georgia and put the ball in Jake Fromm's hands, is Alabama in good shape?
5: Uh, I would say so.
2: Oh, we got mic trouble. It's all right.
5: check, check mic check. One, two, one, two. What about two. the uh, – oh, we're good. we're good. We're good. Awesome, awesome. Okay,
2: sorry about that. No worries.
5: Yeah, I, I totally agree, man. If they stop the run, uh, I think the Alabama's in a good shape to, to win this game, putting the ball in Frum's hand. I mean, you know, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, um, not to – my DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift. Yeah. I mean, they have a three-headed monster. So if you can stop those three guys and not put our backers in one-on-one situations in the passing game, I think, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be effective and win.
2: Aaron and I have talked a lot about it this week. I think the most important play for Georgia tomorrow night is first down. And I'm, I'm sure Coach Saban's telling these guys as well. Aaron, talk about that as a quarterback. And, and we're going to have Clint Bowling on in a little bit, an offensive lineman, when you don't
3: get yardage on first down
2: or you go backwards, man, that puts a lot of pressure
3: on a young quarterback. Well, it puts a lot of pressure, especially on a young quarterback and what we talked about earlier in this show, the speed of this Alabama defense, too. That's when it really comes into play because it's in their hands now. They know if you're going to want to pass the ball, you're going to need to get a five-, six-yard gain. The chances of you running, it goes down tremendously because if you only get two or three yards, now you're in third and long situation. So you're almost saying – 60%, 70% of the chance we are going to pass the ball right now. They know what you're going to do. They're too good. If, if, they, if they know what's going to happen, they're going to beat you. You need to put, put them in a situation during the football game where they're questioning, is it a run? Is it a play-action pass? Is it a pass? But like I said, if you get to those situations second and long, third and long, where they know, hey, Jake Fromm's taking a three-step drop, a five-step drop, they're doing these certain routes. Because if you want to watch Georgia's offense, it's, it's not complicated from no. the passing standpoint. They run some hitches on the outside. They love the play action. They'll get the tight end or receiver running an 18-yard cross route with a post on top of it where he's reading the safety. The safety drops, jumps the cross route. He'll throw the post or vice versa. So it's not the most complicated offense at the end of the day. They know the routes. Yeah. They've been scheming against the routes. So it's a matter of putting him in the situation where they have to run those pass plays, which we- – you get like we said, second and long, third and long. They know what's coming.
2: We had Coach Bobo on this week. He's the head coach at Colorado State. He was Aaron's offensive coordinator. They averaged what, forty-four points a game your junior, senior season. But he played Alabama this year, mm-hmm. and he said they were the best coach team he's ever played against. Yeah. And he goes, I'll tell you exactly what they're going to do. They're going to play two shell, and Bama is going to dare Georgia to beat them in the pass game. As a quarterback, as a safety, explain in layman terms what two shell is. So people watching the game tomorrow understand what is going to try to do on defense. I mean, a cover two shell is basically two safeties high. You can look at the hash
5: marks. There's going to be a guy standing on each hash and then the cornerbacks are going to be up in press. They're showing two high so the quarterback doesn't know whether they're in split coverage defense or it's a man-to-man defense or some type of pressure. And they like to rotate down late. So as he gets late into the cadence after the motion, after the shift, you know, they're going to fill it out late in the play clock. At that point in time, they're going to roll down into the defense and show it late to force Jake to have to make a decision after the play fake to see the coverage that they're in and make a decision with the ball. So that's, that's something that they do really well in disguising their coverages. And, I mean, they practice it week in and week out. Well,
3: yeah, and if you're getting that cover two-shell as an offense, the one thing you're thinking is run the football. Yeah. Very true. It, it's when you want to pass the ball when they bring an extra safety in the box, when you have one-on-one coverage on the outside and a single high. that's Two-shell, in my mind, I've, if I have, usually you come to line scrimmage, you have two plays, a run play and a pass play. You get up, blue 80, blue 80, said hut, two-shell, hey, we're going one-one-one, run play. That you see rotation, two we're two, two, checking into a pass play. But like you alluded to, they do such a great job of disguising their coverage, holding their water, knowing the tendency of the offense of, of when they're going to snap the ball to make sure, hey, we're going to show 2 shell, We're going to make you run it, and our safeties are so knowledgeable. They're so experienced, yeah. and they're so fast that as soon as you do run it, they're going to be so downhill, they're going to stop you within three or four yards. So it's a t- there's a reason why they're successful every single year. They have great talent. Their coach, some of the best coach players in the country, and it makes it really difficult for a quarterback to really know: are they going to stay in two shell? Are they going to rotate a guy down late to do a cover three, maybe a cover one?
2: Coach Saban obviously teaches those secondary, you know, the the, the backfield of the defense, and he does such a good job. With them, one of my favorite players in college football really the past three years. He's been overtaken this season, Rashad. I'm just going to be honest with you. Minka Fitzpatrick, this dude is so fun to watch. He is a technician, Mm -hmm. and he will have so much success on Sundays. I say he was my favorite because Roquan Smith came along, (laughs) and he is an absolute (laughs) beast. But you know a lot of what Minka is about, Mm -hmm. and you had a great relationship with Coach Saban. Tell me about Coach Saban's mindset tonight, Sunday night, day before, night before the national championship game, speaking to his leaders who are extremely well-versed in situations like this, national championship number three in a row. What's Coach Saban saying, and how are these guys and these senior leaders in Alabama getting ready tonight?
5: Yeah, I'm, Coach Saban is uh, is a very – Stickler guy. I mean, he he sticks to the program, he sticks to the plan. I mean, he's he's just preaching the process. He's preaching the same thing he's preached all year. Hey guys, I'm gonna need my leaders. I'm gonna need you guys to go out and play this one play at a time, one you know, one snap at a time, and forget it. Whatever happens there, we're gonna line up and we're gonna play the next snap. And you guys are gonna be the guys that's gonna lead us. Mika, you're gonna lead us in the secondary. You know, Jalen, you're gonna have to lead us on the offensive side. Damien, you're gonna have to carry the ball for us as well. I mean, he's doing the same thing he's continuing to do. And what I love about this Alabama team and and over the years that's grown this dynasty that I think that's gonna give us the edge over Georgia is the the team has been there and this team is run by the players. For sure. The coaches don't have to say a whole lot of things. The players they 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 they, they govern themselves, they push themselves, and they know what to expect, and they know how to go out and get it done. And they're going to lay it on the line for each other. Not saying that Georgia isn't, but this is new territory for them. For sure. And things may get a little shaky. Do they have that person that can step up to know what to say, to keep the guys motivated, to finish the deal? And I say how Alabama has that edge, and I think that's why, what would give us the victory this weekend.
2: When we were in Arizona together, mm-hmm. and it was a Saturday night before a big Sunday game, Coach Bruce Arians, the head coach, would say, this is a five-star game. Yeah. Your five-star players have to play. When you say five stars, you're thinking about a Rashad Johnson, a Larry Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. and a Carson Palmer, and a Calais Campbell, right? We're leaning on you, our big-money guys. Yeah. There's other games where you're going to play against weaker opponents, and he says this is a young guys game, right. all right? These guys are going to coast. You need to step up and make the plays. This is a five-star game, and yeah. right now, unfortunately for Georgia – Alabama has more experience in that regard, and they have, quite frankly, more five stars.
3: Yeah, but the the good thing is Kirby's been there. He's seen this. He's been a part of this. I say if you're playing against another coach, another coach team who doesn't understand what what this week looks like from a media standpoint, from a, a stress standpoint for these kids, but Kirby's been there, done that. He's been a defensive coordinator in the playoffs. In a national championship, he's won championships. He knows this master schedule that Nick Saban has created, which yeah. has been so successful year in and year out. It starts from the top down. And if your leader knows how to lead from a coaching standpoint, knows how to get his guys mentally prepared for the game, that is, that's a win. And I've, I've said all along, I think Georgia this year has now gotten to the point where they're not only physically good, and capable athletically, but mentally they've taken that next step. And I think it has to do with Kirby. Yeah. And, and Nick Saban has taught those guys to mentally walk into every single game knowing you're going to win. And I think Kirby has those guys in the same same mindset right now. I, I would love your opinion on it. Your psyche is we're going to whoop butt. Yeah. We're not going to win. We're going to crush this team.
5: No doubt. And, I mean, I, I think, you know, Kirby's done a great job with, that with Georgia this year. And I don't think, you know, that Georgia doesn't have those type of guys. I guess I'm just saying from experience, being – have been in the locker room at halftime of games last week, you know, Clemson per se, the players ruled the locker room. Yeah. And, I mean, it it energized me as a professional athlete to see, you know, those type of guys being able to grab a hold of a a moment, to know the importance of it, and it's not the coaches having to say those things. So, I I don't know what's happening on the other side. I just know what happened that time.
2: All right. Well, hey, hold that thought, Rashad. We appreciate you coming here at the Punt and Pass Podcast live at Big Sky. Stay here because we're going to get your prediction a little bit later on, but I know you'll be in the building tomorrow, so hold your thought. We're going to get your prediction here in a little bit, all right? Awesome. Thanks, my man. Okay, next up. Next up, we got a buddy of mine, former co-host of the Punt and Pass podcast. Clint Bowling's in the house. Big Daddy Bowling is here. And, Clint, we're talking about Alabama's offense against Georgia's defense, and the reason I saved this for you is because Alabama's offensive line banged up they got a couple of guys injured, and um, it's going to be a tough game for these guys. You think it comes down to the line of scrimmage, and shockingly, I think it's going to come down to the special teams
6: battle. Talk to me, Bowling. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it, bud. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. But like I said, I think it. Uh, these kind of games, you know, it's whoever wins up front, the line of scrimmage, and uh, you know, if George is able to come out and establish a little bit of run game, I think that really opens up some things for him, and then. Uh, you know, that, you know, kind of protect the quarterback, get after the quarterback. Those kind of things I think are uh, going to be factors a little bit more than the uh, punting game. Uh, I don't know. I think the punting
3: and we're going to touch on it. I think the punting game is – if Georgia or, say, Alabama, because both offenses are similar, both defenses are similar, if they get to a point where it's a second and eight, your offensive coordinator, I don't care what team it's for, what is your mindset as an OC going into that player? You're saying we're going to run it and try to get to third and short. Maybe pass the ball because it's still a second and long situation?
6: Uh, I think it, it, one, I think it depends on how the, how the course of the game is going. But in those situations, I think you want to, I think it's still a safe play where you want to do something. Maybe it's a screen, a, um, you know, get a guy on the edge, a, a hitch, make it into that third and short, uh, you know, manageable situation. Um, but, you know, I, I think you have to be able to get those guys in space get those guys out on the edges because I don't think you're going to be able to just kind of run right down the middle of them like uh, they were able to do last weekend. So I think, uh, like I said, you got to get those guys out on the edges.
2: We talked a lot about Georgia in their first 15-play script that we're expecting them to head into the game with. What about Alabama, Clint? What do you think Brian Dayball, their offensive coordinator who got his ass absolutely chewed out by Nick Saban because he was throwing the ball in the fourth quarter last week, what do you think – they do early in the game do they take shots deep to try to keep Georgia off the line of scrimmage or are they just going to run the ball with Damian Harris, Bo Scarborough, Jalen Hurts and just establish the run game
6: early? I think they're going to establish the run game early and then they're going to end up taking those shots over their head to uh, the wide receiver Ridley. I think they're uh, that's going to be the game plan is to just kind of keep chipping away and when the right opportunity to take that shot comes up I think it's going to be a deep play action to uh, get him the ball.
3: I don't know how much film you've seen of, of Alabama. I'm sure you've watched more Georgia. Just looking at both defensive lines, front sevens, you're an offensive lineman. Who would you rather face both in the run game and the pass game looking at both these? because They're two of the best defensive units in the country. It starts up front with both teams, but in your opinion, completely unbiased, who would you yeah. rather? Who would you dominate more? In your opinion, if you had a line up and go against them? Uh,
6: yeah, like I I haven't watched a ton of Alabama this year. I obviously have watched more Georgia, but, you know, though I, I think, you know, personally, I think you see some bigger guys on Alabama's defensive line right now. Uh, Georgia's, you know, kind of a little bit leaner, more athletic, faster guys. Uh, you know, so I, you know, I don't know if I have a preference in in that sense, but. Um, you know, they're, they're both two talented groups. It's unreal that the way that they just, you know, recycle through first round, second round draft picks on the uh, defensive line. We just said it when you
2: came on. Alabama's offensive line, banged up. I mean, guys aren't going to play. I forget the dude's name, the guard, who's not going. But Pierce Baker's been battling through injuries all season long. When you guys are going into a game, Clint, in the NFL and you know maybe that the offensive line might not be a strength, and and that may have happened more times than not this past season for the Cincinnati Bengals, how do you take pressure off the offensive line at the line of scrimmage? Do you work in the quick game early? Do you try to just go and shotgun and get rid
3: of the ball quick? I mean, what's the thought process Use your cadence. Quarterback has to use his case. It's, it's tough, because You're going to have to be loud. I, I love to hear Clint, too. But if you're able to have those guys guessing when to jump off and get off the line of scrimmage, that's a huge win.
6: Clint, what do you think about that? How do you take pressure off an offensive line? Uh, you, you got to be able to get those guys. You know, I think it's a uh, it's short game. It's getting the ball out quick, letting those guys change up their sets uh, to get on the uh, de- defensive line a little bit quicker. And then I think you have to have a good mixture of uh, getting You know, the, the uh, screen game. You get those guys going on the screens and then uh, – you know i think that's one way to do it snap counts obviously another way too
2: speaking of screen game we got a special guest here punt and pass podcast and when you talk about screen game the line gets out quick they go to the perimeter to block down field and you usually throw it to your running back speaking of running backs no sean marino in the house no sean thanks for joining us we're just wrapping up here on the punt and pass podcast we got rashad johnson in the house from the University of Alabama, we got right. Tavares King in the house. Georgia, Clint Bowing's with us. Appreciate What's going to happen tomorrow night, dude? Talk to me. You're in town. Mm. You're going to be living <laughs> it up. Where are you going tonight, most importantly?
1: Oh, man. You know, tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a competitive game.
5: Deep uh, I insight. Mean, this, uh, say it again? <laughs> I said that was some
2: deep insight. What's going to no, happen? I'm
5: gonna shoot. I'm gonna, Talk listen, to me. I just, I just hope it's going to be a great game. I mean, you, you see those two teams, you put them together. I mean, you got – That defense for Alabama. Absolutely. And I feel like for us, we just got to run the ball. (laughs) You do? Of course, I'm like, let's just run the ball. But yeah. That's the
2: thing, like, Aaron and I have simplified it, Clint. And everybody wants to get into the intricacies. And you go to ESPN and Fox Sports, and they're going to break down every statistic. They're going to talk about crazy plays in the game. (laughs) But Aaron and I say, who blocks better? Who tackles better? Who wins third down? Who gets more turnovers? That's exactly who's going to decide who wins this game and let me go on one rant real quick and then we're gonna get our predictions in okay tomorrow night it's coming down to (laughs) special teams it's coming down to special teams tomorrow night and let me tell you why when you do look at all the statistics these two teams are exactly the same points per game points allowed per game rushing yards per game passing yards per game the quarterbacks they are almost identical (sighs) so what's that leave for you bowling it leaves you the kicking game it leaves you special teams And Georgia has the clear advantage across the board. Rodrigo kicking at a better clip than Alabama's kicker. Cam Nisley, Georgia's punter, punting better than Alabama's punter, J.K. Scott. The return game, Georgia's better across the board. My question is, does a big play make the difference? Mm. Is there a huge return that breaks the game open? Is there a game-winning kick? Is there a kick before halftime where Georgia gets points and then gets the ball for a little double score action? I don't know, but this game's gonna be close. This game comes down to the kicking game. So, Rashad, get back up here. TK, get back up here. It's prediction time. We're wrapping this up. This is our last episode of the Punt and Pass podcast before tomorrow night's game. And, again, what a special episode it's been. Live at Big Sky and Buckhead, we're brunching. We got awesome food, cold drinks, and special guest, Tavares King. New York Giants, the 2-14 New York Giants is here. Rashad Johnson, Arizona Cardinals, Tennessee Titans is here. Sean's here. Clint's here. And, of course, Aaron and I are here. Who wants to go first? It's prediction time. I want score, and I want this as well, if you're interested, okay? Alabama's a 3.5-point favorite. The over-under is 44.5. half. Talk to me. Aaron, you want to lead it off? No, or? no, no. We're going to let these guys go awesome. first. I want to hear them. Who wants and it? And then we'll
3: finish it off. I'm go. not going to let you guys cheat off Drew and I with these answers
6: over Please. here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear
3: true answers first. I'll so go, go ahead and go, go first. Ahead.
6: I'll go, uh, I'm going to go Georgia 24-17 Woo. with the under. Under? Yeah. Under. Georgia
2: take the points. That's a home dog. That's a Clint Bowling favorite right there. There we go. He loves a home dog. He likes Georgia 24-17, and that would put you under 44-and-a-half. Clint, thanks for your time. Thanks for coming out to the Punt and Pass podcast, and maybe in the offseason you can host with me again, okay? Absolutely. Awesome, dude. Thanks so much. TK, Tavares uh, King, you're up next. I'm, I'm going Georgia as well. Talk to uh, me. 17-10. 17-10. So take the points under Georgia, 17-10. to Rashad, you need to break it up a little bit. Talk break, to break me. Come
5: on. Of course, uh, Alabama, 27-17. 27-17.
2: Wow. 17. wow. So that's, Roll Tide. That's over, right? <laughs> 44, that's under. That's under the 44 and a half. So, Alabama, 27-17 to cover the three and a half. No, Sean, talk to me. You like that 27-17? You know, Come on, talk to us.
1: Yeah, for the Georgia. <laughs>
2: okay, so No, Sean flips it. You say Georgia, 27-17. Yeah.
3: Under, take 27, the points. Oh, Bama. Alabama? Yeah. Wow. All right, Murray. Stage See, is I, don't, yours. I don't like that. I, it, it's going to oh be a low-scoring game. Okay. Right? You get two of the best defenses. This place is going to be rocking tomorrow night. And I talk about rock. It's going to be loud. It's going to be difficult to communicate. I think you got two offenses that they're good, they're not elite. And, and, and you're just going to see two great defenses, I think, dominate. I think the punting game is going to come into the effect. I think guys are going to be need a little Drew Butler love with a little, Thank you. A little bounce me back, a, Thank little, you. a little hit at the two and, and just kind of dribble back to the five. But it's going to be low scoring. I, I love the leadership of this Georgia football team. It's gotten them through some tough times. I think last week showed me everything I need to know. What they were able to do in that second half to come back after getting their butts whacked that first half by Oklahoma. I think that leadership wins them this football game. I think Kirby Smart's going to get a big, big win and, and put that blemish on Nick Saban's record against I his former it. assistant. He's going to be 11-1 after this game. Love it. But like I said, What's your t- score. Did you take, say the score? take the under. 16-13 Georgia. 16 13, Georgia.
2: Aaron says take the under. Aaron says Nick Saban loses for the first time to one of his former assistants. And since we're big time now, Aaron, the Punt and Pass podcast has blown up. We're top 25 on iTunes, Sports and Recreation. We're doing live remotes, Sweetwater Brewery. We're doing live remotes, Big Sky Buckhead. We're starting to get some advertising. So before I give you my pick... I need to tell y'all about something. The World of Coke. Bit. Is anybody staying downtown this weekend? Yes. People are staying downtown this weekend. Check out the World of Coke and their leaderboard. Get it? Leaderboard. L-I-T-E-R. Like a two liter of delicious Coke Cola. We can tell you right now that the excitement is already alive in Atlanta. And our friends at Coke are rolling out the red carpet to give football fans a hometown welcome. When you visit the World of Coke on Sunday or Monday... You will be invited to enjoy delicious, refreshing Coca-Cola. Show support for either the Georgia Bulldogs or the Alabama Crimson Tide via the Coca-Cola leaderboard. Participation's easy. World of Coke visitors will head to the tasting room. On the way out, you'll pick if you're an Alabama or a Georgia fan, and the ambassadors will update the leaderboard on an hourly basis to show which fans predict who will win the big game. The results of the leaderboard and fan prediction will be announced via Coca-Cola social channels Monday night ahead of the game. So check out, check out the Coca-Cola leaderboard at the Royal to Coke for my prediction. Wait a minute. We got another guest. We got another guest, and this is a national media superstar, a good buddy of mine, a former teammate of mine, Mike Golick Jr. from ESPN, Golick and Wingo, Mike Golick, Thanks for showing up, man. Welcome to Atlanta. My voice just cracked. Welcome to Atlanta,
0: Sean McDonough. How you doing? No, I I'm excellent, you. dude. Thanks for coming. That was ha- nice. How's Atlanta done. treating you? Good rebound. So far, so good. Thank coming you. down to SEC country hasn't always been kind to me, so.
2: We got two offensive linemen here now, too, yeah. so it makes me feel really good. What are your plans for the weekend? Before we get your prediction, what are your plans for the weekend?
0: Uh, plans for the weekend, you're looking at them Sweet. right now. Got a little, uh, saw you at the ESPN party last night. Yes. Did a little bit of that, so going to take it easy after that. Had to get up and work this morning. Going to be over at the stadium tomorrow with Golik and Wingo bright and early. So. Bright and early. What time y'all get live? At 6 we a.m.? We're live at 6 a.m. We'll be right inside the concourse there with all the other shows they've got set up for the weekend and Listen, uh, hopefully I've, getting warm.
3: I've tried to get Drew up at 6 a.m. to do a show one time and it was... I'm like I'm a 7 guy. What time's your alarm set bad. for a little 6 a.m.
0: live hit? Ooh, at 6 a.m. live hit. Tomorrow will be easy. The alarm will be at like 5. The show I usually do is at 4 a.m. So the alarm goes off at 2.30. This oh. is sleeping in this weekend, man.
2: My man. Well, congrats on the new gig with Golick and Wingo and your Appreciate dad and it. Trey Wingo. That is uh, very, very cool. I know I watch you on the simulcast on ESPN2 when we do do our 7 a.m. shows. Quick question before I get your prediction. You were on the 2012 Notre Dame team, right? Sorry to bring up bad memories. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all right. What happened that it's game right. in the national championship? Because you have you Oh,
0: okay. Wow, we got some Notre Dame wow, guys Wow, that's back what here. I'm talking about. Da- dangerous to bring that up yes. down here, but good for him. Yeah, I remember that game. I think we lost by like a touchdown or something. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh,
2: maybe a little bit more, but you're familiar with the Nick Saban defense. They are trying to reestablish their identity. They did just that a week ago by beating the number one ranked team, Clemson Tigers, making it to the national championship. I need your quick analysis and then a prediction.
0: Quick analysis is that defense looked healthy and it looked exactly like what we've always seen now. I don't know if we can count on the turnovers leading to points the way we could with the Alabama defenses of the last couple of years. That hasn't exactly been the M.O. this season. But that MO is still being able to stop the run inside, and you know as well as anyone that's where the dogs are going to have to try and make their hay this game. So uh, it's not going to look quite as easy as it did against Oklahoma, but I have a feeling they'll still find some success. That's
3: very true. Aaron, any thoughts on that? No, let's hear the prediction. I want to hear Drew's Drew's been delayed Yeah, over give here. me your prediction, Michael Jr.,
0: and uh, then I'll let everybody know what I think. Please. All right, prediction on this one. I'm going 17-10 tied. 1710, Alabama
2: Crimson Tide. Mike Golick Jr. from the Golick and Wingo Show. Thanks for showing up. Hey, No problem,
0: that let's one took eat. a lot out of me, so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> let's eat, let's have some drinks, let's enjoy Atlanta. Before I give you my prediction, this statistic came across, Georgia beat Alabama in men's basketball yesterday at Stegman Coliseum, the game was not close. This is the fourth time in BCS college football playoff era were the eventual college football national championship game participants met in a basketball game prior to the title game. That's a lot to understand. But Georgia beat Alabama this past weekend. It's happened three times before with the teams playing football. And three for three, the team that won the basketball game won the football game. So here's my prediction. (laughs) This game's coming down to the fourth quarter, all right? This game's coming down to coaching and special teams. Georgia holds a a distinct advantage in the special teams game. I'm going to get sentimental here. My dad is an undergraduate student assistant kicking coach for Georgia. Every single time I go somewhere, fortunately for me, my dad gets brought up. But this weekend, Monday night, 47-yard field goal, four seconds left, dogs call a timeout. Rodrigo Blankenship makes a 47-yard goal. Field goal and Georgia wins 20 to 17. Kevin Butler's Clemson kick wiped off the history boards. Rodrigo takes over oh, and uh, it'll be absolutely fantastic. But Dogs win last second field goal 20 to 17. Take the points. Take the under. This has been a lot of fun. The game is tomorrow and uh, it's only 1:40 on Sunday, so it's time to get after it. Hey. What do you say, Aaron? Anything Let's on the go. way out?
3: Nothing on the way out. I appreciate you guys for joining us. Yes, what a show. This week, what a show, man. Absolutely. i so, for some football, though. Let's go.
2: Aaron, I appreciate you being here. Have fun. We'll be checking you out on ESPN tomorrow. Rashad Johnson from Alabama, Arizona Cardinals, Tennessee Titans. Thanks for coming. No Sean Marino in the house. Thanks for showing up, no Sean Tavares King, New York Giants, Georgia Great. Mike Golick Jr., Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Pittsburgh Steelers. Golik and Wingo on ESPN, and Big Daddy, Clint Bowling, in the house, eight-year vet, Cincinnati Bengals, UGA, great. For Aaron, I'm Drew. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Big Sky, and stay tuned for our interview with John Parker Wilson. See you. All right, our guest today on the Punt and Pass podcast is a good buddy of mine, and Aaron, we're keeping up with the pass trend here. On the Punt and Pass podcast, it is none other than former Alabama quarterback John Parker Wilson and everybody knows John Parker Wilson as the architect of that 2008 blackout game in Sanford Stadium y'all absolutely whooped George's ass and started the Alabama dynasty JP you own just about every single passing record when you left Alabama so we appreciate your time to come here on the punt and pass podcast and talk about this national championship game game on Monday night how you doing my man
1: Man, I'm good, and I appreciate you bringing up the blackout so early. So good (laughs) memories to be had. And I'm wondering, is Georgia going to wear the red jerseys or the black jerseys this game?
2: I think they're going to go black. Why not, right? Just bring back some memories? They should do that.
3: No, definitely not. That was actually my first game. That was my official visit. First time I've ever been to a Georgia game in my life. It was quiet. And and we have all these top recruits. I mean, we had guys like Marlon Brown, five-star receiver, and I've already committed at that time. And everyone's just looking at me like, is this the number one team in the nation? Like, you really want me to commit here and and come play ball? Because, like Drew said, you whooped our butts that night. It was ugly early and often. So, maybe we can – can we bring the whites out? We've been playing well in the whites. We look good in the whites. Stay
2: away from the black. Stay away from the black. As long as John Parker's not on the sideline, you know, JP, we'll put you up in the 300 levels because anything you come close to Georgia, usually they take an L. So, what do you think – okay, the biggest thing I want to talk to you about first, John Parker – is the matchup between quarterbacks, Jake Fromm and Jalen Hurts. Because statistically, Fromm has done extremely well as a true freshman, and for whatever reason, I still do not understand it, Alabama fans just cannot buy into Jalen Hurts, even though he has proven himself over and over and over again. Who has the advantage heading into this game quarterback-wise?
1: You know, I I think they're they're both pretty similar, doing things different ways. You know, from being a freshman is a lot like Jalen for us last year as a true freshman, leading his team to the national championship, um, really was, with a lot of expectations on you. You know, I lived over there in Georgia. I know what it's like. It's a lot like being in Tuscaloosa of having a ton of pressure on you. He's done a great job of handling that. Obviously, he's got a lot of good people around him. But, but having that pressure, and Aaron, you know as well as anybody, having that pressure on you to be able to perform every week, um, he's done such a good job, and and yeah, the the uh, Jalen right now it's holding true that everybody's favorite player on the team is always the backup quarterback. Um, <laughs> and people have been been calling for Tua, our backup, who who throws a great ball. But you know, so far this year, he's thrown a great ball in the second half against Vanderbilt and Mercer and other teams like that. Um, Jalen's thirty whatever and two as a starter, so um, I, I think. Coach Saban knows what he's doing. He knows the right guy to put in at the right time. Uh, so Jalen's going to play this whole game. If Tua doesn't go in, it's going to be bad news for any any Crimson Tide fan.
2: I, I just – I don't get it because you just said it. Jalen Hurts is 30-2, and two, and Aaron, he is, has 17 touchdowns in one interception this season,
3: and they're calling for the backup. Hey, it's, you're never safe as a starting quarterback. And, and what I want to ask you, too, uh, is as a quarterback, both these guys, I think have done a tremendous job this entire season – not turning the ball over. Understanding that you have a great defense, you have a really good running game. You got some great talent around you. Just don't turn the ball over. How much is Coach Saban preaching to his guy? And over the years, ever since you played too, about listen, you don't have. It's not on your shoulders. We have a great team. We have a yeah. great defense. We're, we don't need you to go out there and score thirty points a game. That we're not built for that. We're built for close games. Dominate the line of scrimmage, and you just don't turn it over. Play sound football, and we'll win
6: it.
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Look, that's the number one goal on the goal board is is no turnovers. Um, and and Fromm's doing the same thing as Jalen done. Look, these these teams are built the same way, right? It's played good defense. It's run the ball and make plays at quarterback. They they Fromm does it different than Jalen. Jalen's done a really good job with his feet, um, with RPOs and, and doing different things. Look, he's difficult for a defensive coordinator to game plan against because he can run it and he can throw it. So I think it adds a an extra level, um, but not turning the ball over is key. You know, we were able to force two turnovers against Clemson, which was really the changing in the game. It was a 10-6 to game at halftime or 10-3 to game at halftime. To be able to have that slow burn or squeeze them out or whatever you want to call it of of our defense applying pressure and making turnovers, um, it goes the same way on offense. You can't turn the ball over and expect to win these close games against really good teams
3: take us into the mind right now of, of Nick Saban and he's been so he's done such a great job of, of in these big time games and when he has even when he has time off a month off the prep what goes into a week like this for him because it obviously it has to be something different there's he's done so well in these big time games besides maybe last year's Clemson game when when you guys lost the national championship but for for 90% of it 95% of the time he just seems like he's more prepared he has his team more prepared what goes into a week like this for those guys?
1: Yeah, I, look, I think he is the, the master motivator and understands the psychology of each player um, extremely well. So he knows what what ticks a player, what, what gets them going. And I think from looking at Alabama this week against Clemson is somehow he got those guys motivated to come out and play with a chip on their shoulder like they were the underdogs. like they People have been talking smack to him all week, and they went out and looked like they had a point to prove against Clemson and really dominate them the whole way. So I think that's his advantage is is just getting the guys ready to play, knowing what, what drives them, what's going to piss them off. What's going to get them ready to go. Um, Obviously he's got the X's and O's down. And as many times as he's done it, he knows, okay, we've got 37 days from our game against Auburn until the playoff game. He's got the schedule down. Now, at the same time, Kirby Smart on the other side has been keeping all the same schedules for the past decade, so he's doing the same thing. So there's no real advantage there, but I think just really being in tune with his team because it was the most motivated I've seen Alabama play all year was was last week against Clemson.
2: Yeah, it looked like a complete coaching mismatch, and you just said it. With 37 days to prepare, it's tough to go against Nick Saban, JP. We, we but when we opened the interview up, I was going over all your accolades, and I'm looking at your Wikipedia page right now. Um, something just jumped out to me. Before I ask you your next question, I have to ask you if this is true because there ain't no way in hell it's true. Did you really run a four eight seven in the combine? You didn't. You weren't sub five.
1: You know, I don't know. I, I really couldn't tell you. I know I was sub five, but four eight sounds pretty good. I'll take it. What about two
2: hundred nineteen pounds? You still you still sitting at two nineteen?
1: I, you know, I, I'm a fluctuating a little bit more than <laughs> no, a regimented workout schedule. I'm trying to stay underneath that as best I can. You know.
2: uh, all right. Next question. When Georgia won that Rose Bowl and then Alabama takes care of business in the Sugar Bowl, did you expect two SEC teams to make it in the national championship? Because if you turn on Fine or you go to Fox Sports 1 or ESPN, everybody's saying how bad this is for college football how the ratings are going to be terrible, and how this matchup will put the 18 playoff into motion. Do you think that will happen? Is this bad for college football, and is an 18 playoff the next thing to come?
1: Well, I don't think it's bad for college football because the college football playoff committee got it right. They gave Alabama a chance that that didn't win their conference uh, to go up against the number one team in the country. I think they they got it right by not putting Ohio State in that has a thirty one point loss. They could have got blown out by Oklahoma very easily. Um, Georgia and Oklahoma, I mean, one of the best games of college football history, right? That's what they want to see is these good matchups, absolutely. Um, and you know, the SEC has been the best conference for the past, I don't know, decade at least. So for us to have two teams, they're the two best teams in the country, in my opinion. There's No reason that there should be an ACC team or there should be a big team in there. There's no entitlements to college football. I think it's right. I think the two best teams are playing. I think if you put eight teams, if you put 16 teams in, these two teams still make it through to play for the National Championship.
3: All right, it's Monday night. Game's going on. Give me one thing each team needs to do uh, to win it, whether it's offensively, defensively, whatever it is. And then also, what's your prediction for the game?
1: So I think... For, for Georgia, they've got to run the ball and, and control the line of scrimmage and, and really dictate and not have to get one-dimensional. I know Coach Pruitt on the defensive side of the ball, our defense coordinator, is, is going to try to put pressure on From And it's not just From That's kind of his M.O. He's going, to, he's going to blitz. He's going to send a lot of people. So if you can run the ball and change up his game plan, that's what you want to do. For Alabama, um, I think two things. I think third-down conversions, when we've struggled this year, we've been very poor on third downs. Last week against Clemson, we had a good showing, so that's very important. So, obviously, first and second downs is important to get you in third and manageable. That's big. But I think the biggest thing is our defensive line play. We've, we're injured at linebackers. We've been hurt all year. Against Clemson, our defensive line got after it. And they they havoc in the backfield. Kelly Bryant didn't have a chance. So if our guys can play good up front on defense and, and lessen uh, what the linebackers in the secondary has to do, then I think it'll be you know beneficial to us. Look, I think it's a close game. I think this is going to come down to just a couple big plays in the fourth quarter who wins it. I don't think this is a blowout game. I don't think it's a high-scoring game like Georgia-Oklahoma. I think it's going to be the 21-17, to 17, you know, two heavyweight guys slugging it out. If I'm going to make a prediction. Of course, it's going to be Alabama. Uh, But it's going to come down to just one or two plays in the fourth quarter to sign it.
2: Yeah, it's just going to be an
1: awesome game.
2: And and I think for Georgia, dub, you can can mention this to me. I think Georgia's biggest benefit will be first down. They've got to get first down, right? If they get behind the chains, that Alabama defense is just going to swallow them up. And then Alabama, man, if Jalen Hurts does that classic rollout to the right and just beats you with his legs and finds open receivers and breakdown coverages, it's going to be a tough game. You know, I like the score you picked, and, and everybody's going to have to tune in uh, tomorrow. Well, you know, I'll, later on in the show, I'll give you my prediction. But, Dub, we really appreciate your time, man. Tell your wife, Tyler, and your son, Parks, we said hello. And I'm sure we'll be seeing you at Atlanta on Monday.
1: All right, guys. Really enjoyed it. See you all later. See ya. See you. Ya. See you.